0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. I want you to take a moment and imagine how many emails are whizzing around the planet at this very moment. The total email traffic last year was about 300 billion. That's an average of more than 800 million a day. and That is a lot of emails. I'm sure a lot of you subscribe to emails, and I know a lot of you create your own email newsletters. Some of you maybe want to start a newsletter, and there's good reasons for this. It's huge. Brands ask you for your email address because it's the best way to reach someone. So what are some of the most important things you need to be aware of when sending emails? I wanted to invite an expert on board the Paul Leslie hour. And so I'm joined by Brian Minnick. He is the chief operating officer at Zero Bounce, an email validation company. And what Zero Bounce does is cleans email lists. They identify the bad addresses so that you can take them out to make sure everybody's emails reach the inbox. Brian Minnick, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Excited.
1: Absolutely. It's an honor. So I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there will be jealous to know that you are in Boca Raton, Florida right now.
0: Yes, I am. Uh, It's sunny and it's hot.
1: (laughs) Is the hot too much or is it? about right
0: Uh, it's too much it's about (laughs) 92 degrees here and the feels like is about 105 it's it's hot
1: oh boy oh boy well I know that when I was mentioning emails a lot of people were thinking about their personal relationship with emails and I can tell you that mine started with the free email service Juno but Brian I was wondering what are some of your earliest memories of using email?
0: Sure. Well, mine started on AOL, the good old, you know, you got mail. <laughs> and and it was all about how, how, you know, I was a young kid. And it was all about how, how cool of a handle you could come up with is what they were calling it. And I don't remember them anymore. I'm kind of kidding. I just don't want to share them. <laughs> um, but they were... <laughs> You know, they were pretty bad, and I still have one email address that's lingering around that I actually can't get rid of at this point. So AOL is my, like my starting point.
1: <laughs> I bet you a lot of the people listening are thinking about all those free CDs that AOL would constantly mail everybody on the planet, hey, join our service.
0: <laughs> yes, I remember them.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I have memories of my AOL address, which followed Juno. And I have to say, when you were mentioning how clever a handle, my face started to get a little red because I was thinking of mine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone's got a few. As long as it's not on your resume, then it's okay.
1: (laughs) Right. We've wised up a little bit. (laughs) It's becoming something that you have gained a lot of knowledge about email. And it's fascinating to me to think of all these digital messages just whirling around the planet. I almost see them like in my imagination as envelopes flying through the sky, which I realize that might be an insane thought. But, Brian, when did you start realizing the tremendous power of email? Great question. I feel feel similar to, to what you were saying.
0: I'd probably say once I started to get into technology, and into a professional career that was really focused on marketing. And I started, we, we serviced a lot of very large brands in the Fortune 500 list. And when I saw the tremendous amount of addresses that these companies would aggregate over time, whether organically or, you know, from acquiring other companies, you know, I think when we think about newsletters, and we talk about a couple hundred, couple thousand that seems about normal, you know, for small startup guys. They're starting from the beginning. But when we're talking about these large companies that are, that have, you know, hundreds of millions of email addresses and the messaging that they're able to get out, you know, it's so powerful. It's how else can you get a message out to, you know, 10 million people at the click of a button? It, it's very hard. Even social is, is hard to accomplish that. And so you're basically able to get a message and put it in someone's inbox with a really good chance of someone reading it if they're interested about the topic. And so to me, that's, that's incredibly powerful. And obviously when mobile really took the, took the lead on how people check email, it just got even more powerful.
1: It is fascinating. I mean, the ability to write a message and this is again, whether it's a brand or an artist or a a product, they write a message And we need to send this message to a million people. Well, they have that power with email. And a lot of the people who listen to this show are fans of music or fans of entertainment. But then there are a lot of artists and a lot of people at record labels, publicists, and they all have email lists. And I subscribe to a lot of email lists. Uh, I'm sure you do, too. But I'm just curious to get a little bit of an idea about your personality what are some of the email lists that you subscribe to?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I love music. And anytime I purchase a concert ticket, I end up on someone's uh, newsletter, which is always fun to hear about, you know, what they're thinking and they actually get nice sneak peeks as to what might be coming up. I'm, I'm very heavy into tech. And so I, I sign up for a lot of electronic things and deals. And, you know, I don't know, I, they just feel good for some reason. Um, and knowing what's out there. But yeah, I, I typically sign up to to a lot of the tech stuff. That's just so much more in, in my wheelhouse. But I have noticed with a lot of the musicians, you know, they're, they offer. I've seen some some really cool and slick things like free CDs, uh, you know, free single, something of that nature when when people are signing up. So, you know, they're incentivizing you to do it, and it's it's very powerful to acquire that email address.
1: So I know that a lot of the people who are listening to this they have an email list. They're either a musician or an author or a comedian or a publicist or a management firm, whatever. But some of them, maybe they don't worry about the bounces. They send out an email newsletter or a promotion. They get a few that bounce. They figure, ah, well, a few bounced. We still reach most of the people, so no problem there. Is that wrong thinking or is that about right? You
0: know, when when I look at it from what we do and what how we help customers, uh, I would tell you it's the wrong approach. And the reason for that is the bounces are actually detrimental to what the outcome is of where your email might land. And so, you know, when you have a list, let's just use round numbers of, you know, 10,000 people. And, you know, let's say 10%, 20% of those bounce. What it's actually telling the other 80% is that you don't really have a good reputation of sending email. And so, you know, we're, we're in a day of age where technology is way smarter than you think it is. And they're using other people's reactions and other people's behavior to dictate to the rest of their audience. So if we're sending to a lot of Gmails and those bounce, the other Gmails that are real contacts that might end up in the spam folder because of those bounces. So, It's really important, actually. And depending upon the type of emails that you have, if they're, you know, Yahoo or AOLs, those last a little bit longer. But if you have any business emails, those are churning about 20 to 30% per year. And so it's, it's, it's really important. And and quite honestly, even with, with COVID going around, you know, it could even be higher than that. And we're starting to see some increases. So it's, it's very important. And then I would turn around and ask the question, well, would you rather 8,000 people get your message into the inbox or would you rather 8,000 people get it into the spam folder? And so, you know, that's usually the teller is, is what's the outcome? And so if you're not getting good results from your email marketing, you should start asking why.
1: So what do you suggest somebody does? They have an email list. They don't know about this concept of email validation. What should they do?
0: Sure. So, the first thing that I would do is take a look at your own list. You know, take a minute, think about it. How did you get those emails? Were they, you know, opted into? Did people give you the email address? If so, that's great. Those are the best audiences. Secondly, did they confirm that email address with you? Meaning, did you have to send them a link and they clicked it and that's what put them on the newsletter? or your list. That's very common nowadays because of bots and all these bad emails that are out there. So, you know, acquiring the list in a really healthy manner is a good way to start to look at what to do. You know, it's very common that people purchase their lists and, you know, that has a lot of negative effects to it, but you should still run it through a system like ours at zero bounce and what you could do at, at literally no risk and no no cost is to get a quick evaluation of what your list might look like by running a portion of it through us as a trial. And and we offer that. So people can really start to understand. Uh, And then you look at the percentages. So you know, if you upload a a free list to our service and 15% comes back as invalid, you should run the whole list through. And it'll do two things, actually. Number one, we'll save you money because you're storing that data somewhere and you're paying for that storage. So most of the providers that send email charge based on the number of records you have. So why do you want to pay for a record that actually doesn't even exist? Companies won't tell you that because that's how they make their money. So there's nothing better than an email that does nothing that they're just storing and charging you for. So that's one way you can actually save you money. But, you know, the other is just, again, for the effectiveness. You really want to have a good, clean list will get you better results than a a really muddy one. And we help lots of customers and customers hundreds of new customers every day are coming to us and looking for help. So we're a great resource for people. And our support team is great too if you have specific questions.
1: And anybody who is interested in finding out more, I'd invite them to go to zerobounce.net. That's zerobounce.net. And there's something that I think ZeroBounce does that to me is just fascinating and very, very helpful. I wish that I wish I had known about it sooner but I'm talking about something called an inbox placement tester. It's not science fiction. Tell us about it. (laughs)
0: Sure. So it's it's a really interesting concept that we've put together. And our goal is to help you understand where your email might land before you send the campaign out. So what do I mean by this? We would provide you about 20 email boxes for you to send Let's call it a test to us. And those different email boxes that we would provide would come from, you know, AOL, they're international, you know, 20 different major providers that most likely you have customers on. And what we're going to do is once you send the test to us, we're going to give you back, you know, very quickly, where did that email land? So again, if it landed in inbox, that's great. If it landed in the spam folder, don't click send yet. You know, you need to figure out why it's in spam. It could be content, could be a picture. It could be a link. Our tool will allow you to continue to send to it until you move it from spam to inbox. Super powerful and very insightful for people to make sure that their, their end users are getting the message. Because remember, when you send an email through any of these, you know, providers that send mail on your behalf, If you notice, they'll never tell you if it went to spam or inbox. They just say, quote unquote, delivered. And delivered is a very vague term. Delivered to spam might as well have never been delivered. Because I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm not checking my spam folder. And when I do, there's nothing I'm really looking for in there that I'm like, oops, you know, I missed it. You know, and that's especially becoming more and more common these days where people are really not checking their spam folders. And they're really not out looking for your ad or your your newsletter unless they're truly looking for it. But, you know, if it's in spam, my opinion, consider it toast.
1: Yeah, that's a fair assessment, I think. And I think most people would relate and say, gosh, when was the last time I checked my junk folder? (laughs) (laughs) So. What do you like about Zero Bounce? What do you like about the job that you have? Sure. So I've been with Zero Bounce
0: now, coming up on two years. And what's absolutely fascinating is the type of organizations that we're working with and the size of these organizations and the problems that we help them solve. You know, it's so exciting. We're a three-year-old company and growing very fast. Uh, simply because we're solving challenges out in the marketplace that, you know, they're real problems. So we can save you money and we can solve problems. Pretty good scenario to be in. I love it. We're a very agile company. We move very fast. We make decisions fast and we listen to our customers. And so, you know, to me, that's the perfect organization to be in. And, you know, that's, that's a day in the life of of zero bounce here where. We're open to feedback. We take it and we improve, and it's why we're we're the best in our industry. And I confidently say that. So it's very exciting times here at Zero Bounce. It's exciting.
1: The CEO of Zero Bounce is a man named Liviu Tanase, and he's kind of a mysterious figure. I think. Who is the real Liviu Tanase?
0: <laughs> so yeah, Liviu, he's he is a, um, in my opinion, a genius. And I say this because he has a brain that works like not many others do. The thoughts and ideas and the way he thinks about things are, are radically different than a lot of people. And it's, it's really fun to be a part of, but who is he? I mean, he's, he's one of the most generous, truly caring and very thoughtful person that I, that I know. And you know, in a sense, it's almost a role model for, I think, everyone in the company. Not, I actually can't even think of one time that I'm like, why did he do that, you know, in a bad way? It's always like, wow, he did that. You know, it's always the other way around. And we've done some really great things for our team and for, you know, charities and local organizations that, you know, he fully supports. And some of them are are his ideas, even though he's not on the ground level as much as we are in the day to day. But, He's a great guy. I uh, really like, like working for him with him, and I learn things from him every day. And So it's really a pleasure, and, and everyone on our team would, would tell you that.
1: Hmm. Well, I know that someone out there has been on the fence about whether they were going to start a newsletter for their business or for whatever reason. How do you think someone knows that starting an email newsletter is a good idea?
0: It's always a good idea, and here's why. Number one, it shouldn't cost you much. And by much, I mean it can actually even cost you nothing. So there's a lot of services that are out there to try to help new businesses or small people, small artists, whatever it might be, really start to build a presence. Because ultimately, they actually want your business long-term. And so you can get all this off the ground with a company like MailChimp or you know, constant contact. They'll even give you the form, you know, the box to put on a website or, you know, whatever it might be so you can start collecting these emails. But there's no better time than now. If you haven't started, I would say you're missing the boat, you know, or, you know, you've missed the bus or you should get on the bus. Emails aren't going anywhere. If you think about what's changed, you know, emails become more of a piece of property, just like your phone number has. You know, and so if you're not collecting the ways to talk to people, I I would really challenge you to to rethink that. Another example might be if you're really only thinking about social media, Facebook or Twitter or whatever it might be. They are great outlets. No questions asked. But we all remember MySpace. You know, we all remember some of these, these platforms that were it. I mean, in that time, in the moment, AOL, that was one too. You know, that was it. And suddenly it just vanished. And so what hasn't vanished is emails. And so certainly you want to be ahead of the curve and talk to your audience. But don't forget about the proven method that, that hasn't changed and if anything continues to increase. I would certainly recommend to anyone who isn't collecting emails today to start to collect them. Get your messaging out there. Get Get in front of your audience. It's almost free. You know, there's really not even a lot of cost to send, especially if you're just starting off. Most of them will help you out for free. So I don't see the risk. I don't see anything to lose.
1: I can say that there are certain email newsletters that I've signed up to get that they get on my nerves eventually, or sometimes pretty quickly. And then there are others that I see the email there in the inbox, and I think, oh, goody, Here's I, I know this list. It's always fun. Or they always... There's always something there that I enjoy. What commonality do you see in successful emails?
0: What I see is you, you either have to bring value or humor, or, you know, people are so distracted. And so if you're just trying to throw an ad on, at somebody and say, buy this, buy that, I don't find those to be as successful. I feel once you add value and whatever that means for your audience, in any manner. Once you add value, then people trust you and think of you as a thought leader or think of you as the person that they look up to, you know, in whatever this this particular channel is, and then they'll do anything with you. You know, once you have the trust, people will will really work with you. It's the way to go. And so to me, the things that are that I find to be successful are engage with your customers, engage with your, you know, fan base. And what do they want to hear? You know, there's a lot of negative stuff going on. Do you want to throw a piece of positive in? There, there's just so much great stuff out there, but you have to tailor it to, if you read this, what do you think about it? You know, is it a sales pitch or is it a, is it a piece of information that I can think about or enjoy, laugh? You know, it's funny, but the most successful thing out there that people send is puppy pictures. <laughs> Paul, you ever got a puppy picture in your inbox? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they make you smile or, did, you know, did you ever unsubscribe from that? No. Uh, <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's little things that, you know, if that same person sent you a promo code for, you know, something else, but you really weren't interested, you'll just fly right by it. But if that promo code is hanging out of a puppy's mouth on a piece of paper, that changes it. You're you're adding a feeling to that person as well. So you have to be creative as well. And you can't just keep trying to do the same things. If it doesn't work, change it. But be creative and be thoughtful.
1: Well, Brian Minnick, thank you very much for spending time with us here. I always like to end the show. I just give the guest the microphone. It's not limited to emails by any means. What would you say to anyone who's tuned in?
0: Uh, Paul, what I would say to anyone that's tuned in,
1: keep pushing
0: for whatever it is that you deeply believe in. And it, when it's tough, that it means you're headed in the right direction. You know, there's a lot of challenging things happening right now. And when it gets tough, you got to keep going. So, whatever it might be, whether you're trying to get off the ground, as an artist, or you, you're off the ground, you know, help those other people as well that are, that are working there. Let's push to be better and always be better and, and not accept being stale. And I think when we continue to do that, that that's what's making us amazing and powerful and, and continue to evolve. So that's my message for today. It's off the cuff. And so I, I hope it resonates with you, with your audience today, Paul.
1: Great. Great. Well, Brian, thank you for gracing us with your crisp voice. It's been a great pleasure to speak to you. Thank you,
0: Paul. I appreciate it.
1: All right, sir. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Written by Irving Berlin. Performed by Dan Barrett. A, Outro Scanning G Things, things improvised, performed, to and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time.
0: Goodbye.